Hey folks, Jeff Woods here. Before we get into this episode, we wanted to check in with you really quick. When you think about the goals that you've set for yourself this year, how are you doing? Are you one of the people who you're ahead of goal? You've been focusing on your one thing and you were crushing it. And now you're looking up and realizing, hey, maybe I need to think bigger. Have you fallen behind goal? We know so many people have fallen behind on at least one goal that really matters to them and could benefit from having a simple plan to make up the gap. Or are you the third person where you're just a little unclear on what your goals are, what you want out of the rest of this year? Wherever you may fall, one thing we know is that you would benefit from a reset. A reset is a proven framework that we use for individuals, teams, and organizations to come together in the middle of the year to really gain clarity on where you need to focus your efforts over the next six months. So at the end of this year, you are celebrating rather than just saying, oh, I'll do better next year. Our next reset retreat is coming up June 22nd and 23rd in Austin, Texas. If you would like to learn more, go to the onething.com slash reset. That's with the number one in the URL, the one thing.com slash reset and learn more. This is the one thing podcast where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. This week's episode is a replay of our One Thing monthly webinar series. Each month, we bring on a best-selling author to talk to them about their book and how it lines up with The One Thing. Today, you are going to get to meet Ken Coleman. He is one of the Ramsey personalities. The previous month, we had Chris Hogan on, who's one of the other Ramsey personalities. And our conversation today is around his brand new book called The Proximity Principle, which is available everywhere books are sold right now. And it's all about relationships, how everything that you could want in a career comes down to one thing, the relationships that you have. If you'd like to join us for our upcoming One Thing monthly webinar, just go to the onething.com, click on the webinar tab, and you can see who we have coming up. With that, let's get into this webinar with Ken Coleman. All right, everyone, welcome to our One Thing monthly webinar. The topic of this month is landing your dream opportunity through powerful relationships. My name is Jeff Woods. I'll be your host here today, and we are very lucky to have Mr. Ken Coleman. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about how you can land your dream opportunity through powerful relationships. And this is all from his upcoming book, the Proximity Principle, which will be coming out here in the next few weeks. It is available for pre-order as we speak at kencoleman.com. Now, we're going to be having a conversation about how this book lines up with the principles of the one thing. Here, here's the idea. Um, the one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And when we look at all the various areas of our life, this is from page 114 of the book, we have our spiritual life because every single one of us is going to wonder why we're here at some point. We have our physical health. Because if you don't have your body, where are you going to live? We have our personal life, meaning the things we do for ourselves personally to be the best version of ourselves. We have our key relationships. These are our family, our mentors, our coaches, our bosses, coworkers, colleagues, customers, all the key relationships. And this is where we are focusing today. We have your job, your business, and your finances. And like I said, since we are the one thing, we are talking about one area of your life. And as it pertains to our webinar today, we are talking about our key relationships. And not just how we form amazing relationships, but how when you line your dominoes up correctly, if you knock down the correct lead domino as it pertains to who you surround yourself with, how not only does it lead to deeper, more meaningful connection, but it also makes everything else easier or unnecessary when it comes to your career, which leads to your finances. Now, here's what's cool about this. We know from doing the research that when you line up your dominoes, a two-inch domino doesn't just knock down another of equal size. It actually knocks down one that's 50% larger. So a two-inch domino knocks over a three-inch domino, three knocks over four and a half inches. And when you extrapolate this out over time, 18 dominoes in, that little two-inch domino would knock down the Leaning Tower of Pisa. By the 23rd domino, you'd knock down the Eiffel Tower. By the 31st domino, just 31 dominoes in. I mean, we could hold that if we put our arms together, rocking it like a little baby. You could loom 3,000 feet above Mount Everest. And by the 57th domino, you could build a structure that would reach almost from the earth to the moon. Here's why we share this with you. When it comes to having a career that you love, that you feel passion for, success does not come simultaneously. It comes sequentially by doing one thing 
at a time. Over time, that will lead to an extraordinary career, that will lead to making an extraordinary impact. And it all starts with one thing. And our guest today will suggest to you that that one thing is called the proximity principle. With that, Ken Coleman, thank you very much for being here today. Jeff, good to be with you. Excited about our time. This idea, what is what is the proximity principle? Where did this idea come from? Well, the proximity principle comes from a question that I received from a young guy who was going to have me on his podcast, and he wanted for me to narrow down for him one thing that was was huge for my success in broadcasting, and I was really struggling to try to narrow it down, and I began to think through my journey, and what came to me was that I was very intentional about getting around the right people and in the right places because I started at 31 into a completely different career. I did not have a degree in broadcasting. I didn't have relationships in broadcasting, didn't have any experience in broadcasting. So how do you completely shift gears and scale a new mountain? And what I did was intentionally, I love the domino example. You know, I got around the right people that knew about broadcasting, that were in broadcasting. I got myself in places where uh, I could learn broadcasting. I could do it on a uh, low risk scale, if you will. And I kept putting myself around the right people. And as I put myself around the right people, they were teaching me things that I needed to know, telling me things I needed to do. And then they would help push me or direct me or actually place me in the right places. And and then when I would go to those right places, I met some more of the right people. And so it's a simple concept that has been around since the dawn of time. Successful men and women have figured out that in order to move and grow and advance, a huge part of that is making sure you're in the right places and around the right people. And this is where opportunity comes. So if we're going to boil down the actual book and what we're delivering here is that we're showing you the formula that the right people plus the right places equals opportunity. The proximity principle itself says in order to do what I want to do, I've got to be around people that are doing it and in places where it is happening. Simple, but wildly powerful. How many of you uh, are currently surrounded by people who are where you want to be? Whether that be professionally, whether that be spiritually, whether that be financially, when you think about the dreams and aspirations you have for your life, those people are already in your circle. You invest time with them. And Ken, the reason I was so excited about this when Mackenzie shared the book with us is the whole reason that I run the company behind the one thing is because when I was in medical device sales, I heard that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I had amazing friends and I go, oh my gosh, I always want these people in my life. But I was seeking guidance on how to build a business from people who weren't qualified to give it. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Jim Rohn made that quote famous, and he's absolutely right. Uh, and and this really does illustrate uh, the importance of the right people. And you know, we have uh, we have five people in the book that we talk about. Uh, they're archetypes, people that I actually put myself around. One of those that pops out is the peer. And you talk about you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Well, you think about that. On some level, that's a peer. So it could be a professional peer, or it could be a personal peer. And what I mean by that is. You know, you get some friends at the office. We spend so much time at the office, 90,000 plus hours, Jeff, over a lifetime is what the average American spends at work. So if you think about your given week, how many hours you spend in the workplace, and you've got people that you're spending a lot of time with in the workplace. Those are what I would call environmental peers. And then uh, in your personal life, that's an intentional personal peer there. That's where we're going. All right, hey, you and your wife want to go out with me and my wife next Friday night. We want to try to do dinner with this couple because we like this couple. Like Jay and Wendy would be an example. If Jay and Wendy live in Nashville, Stacy and I would be going to dinner with them on a regular basis. Why? Because they're intentional in their life. And we want to hang out with people that are intentional. And in the course of having a conversation with Jay and Wendy, here's what I know. I'm going to hear new things about how they're growing. And, uh, and and what they're doing to grow in multiple facets of their life, financially, relationally, as parents. I just know that because I've had the opportunity to interview Jay and Wendy. And so you need to be very, very careful as you look at and take inventory of the five people, those peers that you hang around with. Because I'm telling you something right now. If you don't have a peer that pushes you to do more, just by their example, that lifts you when you need to be encouraged and equipped, 
and hold you accountable to what it is that you're out for. And they're saying, hey, I'm on board. I believe in this. And I'm going to check in on you and make sure that you are doing what you say that you want to do. If you don't have a peer that meets those three criteria, then you need to find some people like that. And oh, by the way, you need to find a way to get away from the other peers who aren't doing those three things. How many of you, when we look at the people that you're surrounding yourself with, that you're actually spending time with, are pushing you, they're lifting you up, and they're holding you accountable? They're doing all three. What were you doing prior to getting into the the broadcast side? Yeah, I owned my own business because I had made the decision that I was not doing what I was supposed to be doing. I did a lot of introspection. I thought that I was going to run for office political office. And so I had positioned myself in a corporate VP job in a neighborhood that was allowing me to potentially run in a state Senate district, House of Delegate district. But I'd planned all this out and was making very intentional steps. And without getting into the whole thing of, of realizing that the passion began to wane for serving the public as a civil servant in politics, if you will, uh, I began to do the research and dive in with somebody that I admired. He did a lot of coaching for CEOs and I had the friendship with him and he did me a favor and spent some time with me, gave me all of his all of his processes and documents. And I worked through it over a six-week process. And I realized that I still wanted to use my talent of communication and and the talent of discernment and the talent of of analyzing and and, and teaching to be in the public space, but it was in broadcasting. But I had no idea, Jeff, what that meant. Well, okay. I know I love speaking. I knew it wasn't preaching. I knew it wasn't. You know, just speaking all the time on this professional speaking circuit felt like it was in the broadcasting space. How in the world am I going to do that? And it was very intimidating. And yet I knew that I needed to create more independence in my life so that I could pursue that because it was going to take some time. And so left the corporate situation, started my own company. We were selling sponsorships for live events. We had a lot of connections. This was kind of an easy opportunity for us to launch into something that was taking care of the bills. And so that's what I was doing for the day job, but I was pursuing the dream job. And uh, uh, the dream job started with just me you know, learning, okay, uh, I'm going to have to get some bona fides here, some real credentials, and I'm going to have to find any way I can to get on a microphone to build a reputation and not just build a reputation, but build some skill here. And so I took a broadcasting class. I was doing uh, event hosting. I was doing anything that I could. And uh, so that's what really kind of got me started. And then, it, and then about uh, three to four years in, it took a while because, again, I had wife, three kids, and a business. So I was kind of the guy that was plodding along as intentionally as I could. And uh, I eventually got myself on radio on a Saturday afternoon, bought my way on 250 bucks an hour uh, huh. every Saturday, and started the first version of the Ken Coleman show. Uh, and, and so, you know. It, that's what I was doing. I was just a businessman, right? A small businessman who had a dream, and that small business was was funding the dream and was giving me the freedom that I needed to be able to pursue the dream. So that's that's where I was as I began the transition into broadcast. You know, you shared. I look on uh, when I look at the book on, and I open it up and look at the back cover. See that seventy percent of Americans aren't passionate about the work that they do. I want to go there because. For so many of us, I mean, that, that is a shocking number. Talk to us about the mindset we need to adopt if we're that person where we're going, all right, things are good, but ultimately I'm not fulfilled. I'm not truly happy. What's that mindset we need to begin to adopt that allows us to build that bridge between where we are and where we want to be? That's a perfect question. It starts with understanding that the reason that you don't feel connection to your work is because we were all created to do something unique (laughs) and it's needed and we must do it. So you start with the premise that is this just all one big cosmic, "Eh, this is kind of wild and I got to have a job to be able to pay for all the stuff that I want. Either you think that's what's going on or you think that there was some intelligent design here. And if you're not a person of faith, it doesn't matter, but you still got to come to the conclusion that do I have talents? Yeah, I do. I was born with things that I, I do better than, than others. Do I have passions? Are there things that when I'm engaged, them, engaged in them, whether it be on a professional level or even a personal level, does it make my heart sing? Do I, do I get energy? Do I love doing it? Well, the answer is any honest person, if you ask those two questions, you go, well, yeah, those, those two things do exist, talent and passion. Well, why do they exist? And I believe they exist 
for others. So I think that we all long for significance and meaning. And we long for that because we're wired that way. We're wired to to do work. It's not just work. We aren't all about work. Our identity doesn't rely on just what we do professionally because we're multifaceted people. But if you come back to the premise that, wait a second, there's a reason why I'm here. And a big reason why I'm here is to use that talent and passion for the benefit of others. And so if you if you retreat back to that and you you say, okay, well, this makes sense. I buy into this. Then you realize why your work doesn't matter to you. You might be really good at it. I had a caller call in the other day, Jeff, and she said, can I need help figuring out my passion? Because I just have no passion for my work at all. And I said, well, I'm serious. What do you do? She goes, I'm in sales. I go, oh, okay, great. What kind of sales? Pharmaceutical sales. Great. How much do you make? $350,000. And I think most people are shocked when I share that. I'm not shocked. I read a story the other day how there's a huge increase in people making seven figures that are absolutely unhappy in their job. I'm not surprised by that at all. Why? They're really good at their job. This lady's really good at sales. She's knocking it down. She's killing it. Uh, these people that are, you know, executives, think about your Wall Street executive, you know, they went to school, they're good with numbers, it's all a talent issue. They're really good at trading stocks or whatever. They're making tons of money. They got all the trappings of success. But the reality is when they go in Monday morning, they're not excited about the work. There's no deep connection to it because the results of it don't matter to them. And so the scary situation is when you look at 70% of Americans who don't find a lot of meaning in their work, this is a scary situation because what it's, it starts with, my work doesn't matter to me. I'm not passionate about it. I'm not excited about the work or the result. Then it moves to, well, I'm not sure my job matters that much in the grand cosmic scheme of things. Then it gets really scary because then you begin to believe that you don't matter. And there's a reason why, Jeff, that Mondays are the highest rate of suicide. There's a reason why people say, I'm just living for the weekend. I'm just trying to make it through the weekend. Because if you think about how much time you spend at work and it doesn't have intrinsic value to you, you don't feel like, hey, my work itself mattered and the results of my work give me joy Give me satisfaction because there's a values connection to what I'm doing. If that doesn't exist, you are not going to be a fulfilled person. I don't care how much money. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ziprecruiter.com slash one thing. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Now that's what we call time management. Right now, as a listener of The One Thing Podcast, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash one thing. That's ziprecruiter.com slash O-N-E-T-H-I-N-G. ziprecruiter.com slash one thing. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. What I'm hearing you say, Ken, is that it all starts with you having the belief that you are a unique individual with unique talents. And if you can first wrap your head around that, you're then asking the question, great, I'm investing my time every day in this box called my job. Am I taking advantage of my uniqueness and my unique talents? What do we do if that answer is no? Yeah, well, so we need to start looking. We need to start looking for that job, that location where where I can use what I do best talent to actually do work that matters deeply to me. So go back to this example, this, this lady who called on the show. Uh, you know, I got deep into it with her. I said, well, what is it that you really want to do? She goes, I've always wanted to own my own business because I'm really great at selling and promoting, but I just want to do it for me. And she goes, I'm not even sure I know exactly what the type of business is, but I just know that I want to have a business where I'm totally running it and it's, it's on me to sell the product or the service. And then we dove a little deeper and we came up with, we knew exactly what she wanted to do and she, she identified it. And uh, so the, the answer is if you're in, in a job 
or in a career that doesn't have intrinsic value, you don't feel a deep connection there. First of all, don't panic, okay? And don't make some crazy jump. That's not necessary. Uh, Also, don't get discouraged because there is a path. There is a path and and using the proximity principle will reveal the path to how you can make the transition. It's not as scary or mystical as you think it is. Now, I admit that it's intimidating, no question about it. I admit that this that that the 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 emotion of fear is there, that the emotion of doubt is there. Here's another one, Jeff. A lot of people call my show, they think it's too late. They they think it's too late in life. I'm 45, I'm 51. Is it too late? I got that call today from a lady, 53 years of age, works at a nonprofit for 25 years. Downsizing, her position eliminated. Is it too late for me to do something? No. Yeah, different. No, no, it isn't. So we need to begin to look. What is it that I was ultimately created to do? And here's the here's the other reassuring thing. Jeff, I don't teach a silver bullet philosophy that there's only one career for everybody or one job for everybody. That's nonsense. However, there is a sweet spot, the intersection of what you do best and what you love to do most. And within that, there are multiple things you can do. So if I was not a radio host helping people with career counseling, uh, and I wasn't writing and I wasn't speaking, um, I would probably be using my top talents of uh, communicating and coaching and teaching uh, to probably be a basketball coach on the high school or college level. That that would be in my sweet spot as well. Uh, that's not for me the dream job, but it is a sweet spot role. And I just say that because there's a lot of misinformation that the brain throws at our heart. And it says, oh, I'm crazy for walking away from the $350,000 a year job, right? Think about that, that lady. At some yeah. point, She's got to tell everybody she knows, hey, I'm walking away. And everybody that works with her goes, are you crazy? You're knocking down $350,000. You're wealthy. You've got the American dream. Uh, Her parents, maybe her husband, who knows? Everybody's going to go, what are you, nuts? And there's a tremendous fear sometimes to kind of admit to everybody, hey, I know I'm successful. This isn't what I want to do. And if I move over here, I'm going to feel like I'm I'm, I'm showing up every day and stealing money. I'm going to work hard, but it's going to feel like I can't believe I get to do this and get paid. And so people, if they're not careful, Jeff, can become prisoners of their own success. Yeah. How, how many of you who are alive are, is this, this resonating with you? Or maybe this is you? If so, go ahead and put me in the questions box. And, and what I love about this, Ken, you, you said this, this woman was in pharmaceutical sales. I was in medical devices. Yes, you were. Completely lacking fulfillment. Great golden handcuffs on, but and I remember when I started sharing with some of my colleagues that I was considering quitting to move to Austin to start this company with Gary and Jane. They're like, "You are nuts!" Oh yeah, this is exactly right. Let yeah, me ask this idea let me, though. Like, let me let me turn the tables on you. It's your webinar, but I'm going to take over for a second because I just illustrated this. But you're the guy who actually lived this same thing. At what point do you begin to have thoughts of doubt that? This medical device thing isn't for me because I just don't have any juice. I'm good at it. Clearly, you were very good at it. It wasn't a talent issue. It was a passion issue. When did you begin to realize that? Uh, when the pain got high enough that it forced me to look in the mirror. And there were two specific things that happened that raised the pain to a level that I was unwilling to accept. First was a colleague had a stroke and he was 35. Yep. And my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County. She made We just had our first child and she made the decision to become a stay-at-home mom. I remember looking at my colleague thinking, if that happened to me as the sole provider, what happens to my family? And in that moment, I realized those golden handcuffs, it wasn't security, I was being shackled. And the second thing was the very next week, my company needed to make a a change to our commission structure to remain competitive in the market, and 40% of my income evaporated overnight. Yet we didn't adjust our lifestyle when the income went down. And when the bank account almost hit zero, that's when I was finally going, it's time. Yeah, but those were two big warning signs for you. But you realized some point in that process that selling a medical device, while it matters very much, I mean, that is a very, very valuable role. Those medical devices save lives, change lives. But for you, there was no juice in selling those devices. There wasn't some deep connection to you. Yeah, my my purpose is sharing ideas that transform the way people think. There you go. And so I wasn't doing that. There you go. See, that's it right there. And so that's that's you. That's the that's the sweet spot for you using your talent to do that. But that yeah. statement you just said is so clear. You can see how your total face changed. I'm sitting here watching you, and even you describing your current purpose and mission statement. There's a physiological change when people talk about something that is 
that is directly connected to their heart. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what I think is interesting and why I, I jumped on this on your book, The Proximity Principle, so fast was I've seen some of the questions. Well, how do I actually go about doing that? How do I actually surround myself with these people? How do I get clarity on what that right job or business is for me if I don't have that clarity yet? And what I'm picking up from your book, Ken, you don't actually have to attach yourself to the outcome. That lead domino, if you will, is starting to surround yourself with the people because the rest of the path will unfold. That's it. Well, let's talk about that. That's a huge issue. Let's talk about people who are unsure. So you think you want to move into nursing or accounting or whatever. Just pick the field and you're a little bit uncertain. And you're saying, Ken, I can't just change careers. What if I fail? What if I'm no good at it? Great question. It's a legitimate thought. I'm not suggesting that you jump off of a cliff. What I'm suggesting is, is that if you feel in your heart that maybe you want to change industries or change roles before you make any decision, practice the very early steps of the proximity principle. And why don't you go hang out with or talk to, have coffee, have lunch with some people that are actually doing that role that you are intrigued by? It's amazing when you actually reach out to people and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing what you do. I know you're successful. Can I buy your coffee, buy your lunch? I'd love to know um, what you love most about what you do, how you got there, what you think the landmines are, what you think the best practices are. People are flattered by that. And, And that is a spirit of humility. It's a spirit of hunger. And people are going to say yes nine times out of 10 to that. And so you begin to talk to people who are actually doing what you think you want to do. And you get a lot of things out of that. Let's talk about what you get. Well, first of all, you're going to learn some things you didn't know. Okay, You're going to find out all the things I mentioned before, things they love about the work, uh, qualifications that would be needed, how long these qualifications take. How, you know, how, what's the moving up the ladder look like? Is this a field that has some upward mobility and some growth? In? All the things, okay? I'm just giving you some examples. And then you're going to find out maybe some things that you didn't realize that are the underbelly, maybe the negative sides of the job. And, and you hear them talk about it, all of a sudden you go, Ooh, I don't know if that's for me. Meaning I'm not willing to, to deal with that to do what you do. And all of a sudden what you thought was confirmation that you wanted to do it becomes confirmation that you're not supposed to do it. So proximity in this very early stage of research is massively important and it will protect you from jumping off of a cliff. It'll protect you from getting burned. That's why I'm so proud of this book, Jeff, is because I'm I'm trying to strip the fear away from getting where you want to go. It's not as scary as we make it. And proximity gives me clarity. And clarity, knowledge, right? Wisdom, a path. Clarity takes a lot of my fear away, or at least allows me to look fear in the face and say, that's not true. If I do this, I'm going to actually arrive there. And so um, that's, that's what you need to do when you're just trying to kick the tires. Get in proximity. You're going to get a master's degree in the actual field you might want to go in, and it doesn't require you going to college at all. Not in the early stage of just confirmation. Yeah. Well, you, you said one word that struck me, which was fear. Yeah. And, I, and I know so many people, they digest this idea that, okay, I, I am unique and I have unique talents. I understand that I'm more likely to get to where I want to be if I can surround myself with people who are already de- further down that path. But then the limiting beliefs come in, the fear of what would I say to them that would make them interested in me? What could I give them that would make it worth their time? Talk to that. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point you're bringing up. And this is not about, uh, you know, what can I give these people that I'm asking for their time? You're actually, the very thing that you're actually giving them is respect and value. They, uh, if a person comes to me and says, hey, Ken, I'd like to meet with you and I'd like to learn uh, about the craft and the industry and blah, 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 blah. And they show up and they're grateful and they've got real questions that they've thought and prepared on. And they're just looking for insight and knowledge. Two things are going to happen. Number one, I feel valued. And because I feel valued, I feel this benefit in providing the value. So I get the high. It's an actual feeling. You get a little bit of juice from helping somebody who actually wants your help. Uh, And so what happens is, is when that meeting is over, I'm more likely to try to connect you and do something for you that you didn't even ask me for. If you're just asking me for my insight and and, and some practical answers and some tips and things like that, and I do all that and you don't ask me for anything else, I am more likely than not to say, all right, hey, listen, I want to do this for you. 
this for you. Here's three books. Here's a class you need to take. Here's two guys I want to connect you with. I'll tell you about my buddy Jeff. And I'm going to call Jeff and I'm going to tell Jeff, Jeff, will you do me a solid by talking to this young guy? And and you see the difference here. So all of a sudden, what you think you got to provide to somebody, you don't have to provide anything other than humility and and gratitude for that. And then what's going to happen is they're going to do more for you than you ever expected and more than you asked for. Don't go in asking for a job and don't go asking for a bunch of connections. Go in there and ask for insight. And when you do that, then proximity turns into a momentum game. It's like a snowball. And that's how you do that. So it's don't worry about asking somebody for their time. It's all about how you ask them. And here's the other thing, Jeff, there are going to be some people who say no, but that's fine. You just keep asking. There's going to be other people who are more than willing to give you their time and give you their insight. And that's all you need. Trust me. Yeah. It's, um, I remember early on in my journey, I had a chance to sit down with one of the guys who was on the founding team of Priceline.com. And we had a conversation and I just, I had to know. I said, why in the world are you talking to me? I mean, this guy's a network billionaire now. I said, why are you even talking to me? And his answer shocked me. Because at one point in time in my life, I was where you were. I was in need of help. I was in need of mentorship. And then he was further along than me. They reached back, grabbed my hand, and helped pull me forward. They didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for me to wash their car. They just asked that one day that I pay it forward. And now that I'm at this point in my life, I'm looking for legacy. That's I'm it. looking for purpose. In that moment, it hit me that if you show up as a humble mentee, you actually bring more <laughs> value to the mentor than the mentor can bring to you. That's absolutely right. What you're doing for them is giving them the privilege and the honor of speaking into your life and helping you. That's Every time I've ever taught a class, I've learned more than the people I'm teaching. Every time. How many of you who are here live are already having an aha? Just going, oh my goodness. So let's let's fly up to 10,000 feet. Ken, I'm hearing you say that every single one of us, we are not born to be put into a box where we punch in and punch out. We are unique. We have unique talents. It's a matter of really believing that first. And if we are not living those on a daily basis, how do we begin to surround ourselves with people who can guide us along the way? And that mindset behind it is not that they won't do it. In fact, most of them will. They will be flattered. They will be honored. And you are bringing more value to them along the way. If you have a small business or you know someone who does, you probably know that small business owners wear a lot of hats. And some of those hats are totally great. But some, like filing taxes and running payroll, may not be your one thing. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, and HR actually easy for small businesses. Fast, simple payroll processing, benefits, and expert HR support all in one place. Gusto automatically pays and files your federal, state, and local taxes, so you don't have to worry about that. Plus, it's easy to add on health benefits and even 401ks for your team. Many of the old school payment providers just weren't built for the way that modern small businesses work. Gusto is. So as we go into the new year, ask the question, should we let somebody else wear some of those hats that maybe I shouldn't be wearing? In this case, listeners of the One Thing podcast can get three free months when they run their first payroll. Try a demo and see for yourself at gusto.com slash one. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash O-N-E. What do you say when we're inside an existing organization and uh, we don't feel like our direct ball is helping us grow to our potential. Or maybe the organization isn't structured that way and we're not ready to quite leave. We want to explore and try to navigate that path. How would you advise us? Well, this is, uh, this is going to be effective to the level of the healthy leadership in your company. So the advice I'm giving you, I want you to have the asterisk that this is going to work better in an environment where there's healthy leadership. To navigate whether I believe that just throwing in the towel probably isn't the right first move. Like, how do we begin to have the type of conversations and explore if this is something that can be repaired before we need to make a move? So, what you want to do is is you need to have an honest and very transparent conversation with your leader. And again, uh, posture, 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 posture. This is key. Uh, and what I mean by posture is not how you're sitting in the chair. I'm talking about your face, your body, 
language, your tone, you think about the words you say, you want to go in with a lot of respect. You want to go in with a lot of humility and all of that with a dose of gratitude on top. And you say, hey, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here to do this role. And I want to talk to you about something um, that I need your help with. And that is that I want to grow. We all want to grow. I want to grow. And up to this point in my time here, I'm not getting any opportunities to grow, at least that I've seen. And so I need your insight. I want to know where you think I can grow. What are some things that you think that I can do to become available, if you will, or to put myself in a qualified pool of people that are going to get an opportunity to move up and do more? Because I ultimately want to increase my influence here, increase my responsibility. And with that, obviously, the pay will take care of itself. And so this is my heart. And you're my leader. And I'd love to work with you on a plan. Uh, and, and I'll do whatever I need to do. If there's some weak areas where you need where you need to see some growth from me and some commitment to get better in order to get qualified for opportunity to grow, I'm all in. Tell me what they are. I'm here to write. I'm here to listen. I'd love to know what you think, uh, where I could go to get those resources. You see the spirit here. And so you're just laying it out there. What you're not doing is putting the leader on defense. Because if you walk in and do the opposite of what I just did, and it goes something like this, hey, listen, I've been here for five years, you know, and I haven't had a promotion, I haven't had a pay raise. And the market, you know, people are doing what I'm doing. I'm looking research and they make more money. And uh, I mean, is there something I'm not doing or, you know, what, you know, what, what, what do I need to do to get there? Now they're on defensive, right? They're, I'm just telling you, I don't care how healthy a leader is on some level, they're going to be a little bit on recoil and defensive. And so if you go back to the first example, what you've got to do there is you've got to give your leader a chance to lead. And hopefully the leader hears your heart, sees the humility, and they look at that and go, okay. And a healthy leader, remember I said, this is all contingent on healthy leadership. A healthy leader is going to go, great. I'll tell you what I need to do. I like that and I want to come up with a growth plan. I want to give you the opportunity to move up. That's what we're about here at this company. And uh, yes, I'm willing to work with you on a growth plan and, and let's do this. So let's get back together and I'm going to come to you with some things I think you need to work on. Let's get some 360 reviews, whatever, whatever. And you're going to see some real strategic response, meaning, okay, great. And they're going to knock off some things and you're going to be very, very, very clear that they are moving now where they didn't move before. But that's pretty much it. You have that conversation and either they begin to make steps and show you the plan. And then as you progress along the plan, if they do what they say they're going to do, then we've got something. If you do all those things and there's no plan, there's no real response, it's ambiguous, nothing happens, it's time for you to look somewhere else. Because that's you're right. truly not in a place where there's a ladder. And I, that's, you know, I talk about a place to grow, one of the places in the book. And a place to grow is a place like Ramsey Solutions, where if you do a great job and you win in the now, there will be a next. You got to win in the now. You got to kill it. You got to crush it in your current role. You do that, there's going to be an opportunity to grow. And so we have lots of ladders at Ramsey Solutions. That's great. That's great. Salim asked a great question, which is how do you become the type of person who can attract these type of people into your world? Oh, I love that question. And it's actually simple. Yeah, way to go. I love the question. Uh, the way you become the person that attracts the right people is by actually getting around the right people. See, you, you attract who you are. And so what you have to then do is say, if I want to attract the right people, it's going to have to start by me actually getting around the right people and modeling how they are. If you're, let's go back to that. You are the Say average. That again. Say that again. Yeah, I know. I told you it was going to be really ridiculously simple, but it's that simple. If you want to be the kind of person who attracts the right people, you have to start by being around the right people because you're the average of the five people you hang around with. We said that. We believe that. Jim Rohn's absolutely right. So if I look at my peer group and I've got a couple of duds, they're dragging me down. But these guys, let's say, say on, a, on a scale of one to 10, let's say I'm hanging around some fours and fives. And then a couple of the other guys are sevens and eights. Well, we look at the average of that and they're pulling me down. So at the end of the day, I'm collectively hanging around some sixes. And if you want to be a six, you keep on going, but don't, don't listen to anything that I'm teaching or read anything that I'm writing. So, so what we want to do is, is we say, okay, I've got to do an inventory of the people I'm hanging around right now. And it's going to start with, I'm going to get rid of or begin to pull away from. And this is not easy to do, but I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to try to make you feel good. If you're hanging around some people that are fours and fives, you need to lessen the amount of time you hang around with them. 
even if they're family. I'm just gonna tell you. And and then you're gonna start. So now we, we hang around less and now we're gonna replace the fours and fives, right? With some eight and nines. That's and tens. That's what we want. And so you start with hanging around the right kind of people. You get intentional about this. As you do that, those people, those higher caliber of people are going to naturally lift you. You're gonna watch how they're acting, how they're living, how they're intentional, how do they eat? Do they exercise? Are they reading books? What are their conversations about? Are their conversations about, you know, Game of Thrones every time they talk? Or are they having a conversation about how they want to be a better dad? You know, I, I you know, I don't have nothing against Game of Thrones, but just take an inventory of what people are talking about that you hang out with all the time. Are they lifting you? They're not. You get new people. So point is, as you get around the right people who lift you and push you and hold you accountable, you're going to start acting like them, thinking like them, talking like them. And all of a sudden, other people start noticing how you act and think and talk. And they go, I want what he's having. And so that's how you, you can't attract what you are not. You just can't. You can't attract eights and nines and tens if you're a six or a seven. Yeah. Well, you said so, you said a very specific word. You get around them and you model. Model, model. You emulate. You model their way. They're modeling it for you, so then you just you just you just begin to do it. So I've been blessed to hang around very closely with guys like John Maxwell and Dave Ramsey. Do you think that has not had an effect on me? Of course it has. It has nothing to do with me. I've not done anything special. But when I'm around those type of people, you can't hang out with a John Maxwell or a Dave Ramsey or some of the people I get to hang out with. You know, Pat Lencioni, Les Parrott, Dr. Henry Cloud. These are all my friends. I'm gonna play golf with Henry Cloud on uh, Sunday morning. 18 holes with one of the great thinkers in, in all the world. Well, I'm telling you, we'll have fun because we're buddies. But there will be some conversation that happens on the golf course and at dinner afterwards that will sharpen me and make me better. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, this is not rocket science. This is yeah. doable for everybody. To share a personal story to, to underscore this, because this was another one of those things that just was so shocking to me, yet so simple. When I started just getting into the room, with the people who are where I wanted to be, I was showing up with Claire on what I wanted to get. And what became so interesting right away was the most successful people in the room didn't show up looking to get, they showed up looking to give. That's exactly right. They didn't ask, they weren't having conversations and looking over your shoulder to see who better they could be talking to. They weren't in the back of their mind wondering how can this person help me. They were genuinely present in that conversation and wondering how they could be of service. That's it. That's purposeful living. You realize that your gifts and passions are not for you, it's for others. And so you get so much juice, you know, adding value to other people. And then all of a sudden that becomes very attractive. Anybody that's living on purpose and adding value to people, people notice it, they can tell, and they want what you're they want what you're having. So again, the law of attraction, you know, this idea of attracting, you can't attract what you are not. And so if if you want to attract these type of people, you better figure out how to become those type of people. And the best way to do that is to be around people that are that are doing what you want to do, living the way you want to live. There's nothing more powerful than the peer groups. I mean, you think about all of us are adults now that are on this thing. Do you think back to high school and junior high? Think about the people you hung around and how much influence they had on you. Please don't bring up the don't I that. know, right? I wore some of the most awful things you could possibly wear because the dude wore it that I thought was cool. And I wasn't even using my brain. He's like, he wears it. I'm going to do it, right? That's so good. I, I want to, you mentioned something, which is if you, you start surrounding yourself with these people, you take the inventory. If you've got people that are pulling you down, you got to cut them. Let's have that conversation because very practically, what does it look like when you have people in your life that we're just going to label them as toxic? What do you do? Yeah. Boy, this is a long, long answer. I'm going to do my best to give some practical advice here because um, you have to meet it head on. You, you have to meet it head on. You, you can't be passive about this. You have to be very, very clear about your expectations, about what you want in this relationship. And it's okay to do that, but it feels very, very weird. Not to mention the fact that most people in life are not down with confrontation. Even if it's just very nice and polite, it makes you want to throw up. And my good friend, Henry Cloud, I just happened to mention him, his book, Boundaries, 
uh, is a great start. And, and it'll show you how to create these boundaries. So if you've got some toxic people in your life and you need something practical, I'm gonna give you what I would do, but I also think you ought to read that book and because it's a legendary book and it'll really help you with setting boundaries. But what you're gonna have to do is this. I think you have to make up your mind before you set the boundaries. This is what I do. You're gonna have to make up your mind. Is the relationship worth the toxicity? I mean, you just have to sit down and go, is this relationship worth the toxicity? Hmm. And if it isn't, then you have to go, all right, my decision has been made. Now, there's a little wrinkle to this advice because if it's a family member that's toxic, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, kick the family member out of the family. You might have to get to a boundary that that stops all communication. I'm just gonna be really honest with you about that. But what you can do is pull away from them to where they get. They get the message. If you don't want to directly confront this, you're going to have to put it in a situation where you're putting up a boundary, whether it's a spoken boundary or not. And I've, I've got some people like this in my family where, again, every time there's an opportunity to get together, I just always come up with something. And I'd rather them go, you know what? They never say yes to our invitation. They never show up. I wonder why that is. And I'm okay with them not knowing why. But I never yeah. show and because oh, I'm, I'm saying right now, the talk, the relationship, being in relationship with them is not worth the toxicity that happens to me in the moment and then the junk I got to carry back into my life. And I'm going to tell you something, this is not easy, but it is worth it. And if you do that, you're going to find that those people will eventually get the message. And toxicity, by the way, only works when there's environment that allows it to stay, right? And so they're going to find somebody else in the family who's down with all of it. And they're just going to go, you know, they're like a little, <laughs> and all that energy exists for them. And it's like a little cesspool. And, and But buddy, when you when you say, oh, boy, that doesn't exist around me, I'm giving you that no oxygen. No, then, then even when you do see them, they kind of get the message and it's kind of standoffish. But I'm telling you, there's some family members, they see me come and they go the other way. Why? Because they know I'm not giving them any oxygen for any of that nonsense or toxicity. And I will tell you, this is true for, for people at work too. Just put up a wall. Just go, it's not worth it for them to like me. I don't care if they don't like me. I can't deal with them liking me and then all the garbage I got to deal with because they like me or they want to be around me. Yeah, I, I've, I wish I could remember who shared this with me so I could give them proper attribution. But they, they basically asked, imagine the most toxic person or your most toxic customer, would you ever allow that person invest time with your kids? Yeah. And the answer is no. And they go, but you do it every day because you surround yourself with those people and you can't help it, but begin to take on that energy. And all of a sudden you're walking in the door and you're carrying that that experience with you and all of a sudden you're snapping at your kids or you're behaving differently. Like we do it all the time. We just don't recognize the cost. Well, and to that point, if you're struggling with putting a boundary up and dealing with toxic, unhealthy people in your life, sit back for a moment and realize that every time they make you uncomfortable or give you stress or anxiety or whatever, they have power over you. Mm-hmm. That'll very quickly make you go, well, that's not cool. It's bad enough that I feel this way, but it's all because I'm giving them power. And I think that'll get you to the point where you go, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of these people. Yeah, yeah. We've covered a lot here, Ken. <laughs> If we fly up, back up to 10,000 feet, and let's ask the focusing question of the one thing as it pertains to this subject, what's the one thing someone can do such that by doing it wouldn't make everything else easier or unnecessary when it comes to surrounding themselves with the right people? I think it would be to get very, very clear, almost to the point of pencil and paper, my two favorite objects, and, 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 and identifying where it is you want to go in your life. And then saying, okay, if this is where I want to go, or this is where I want to be, or this is the person I want to be, this is where I want to end up. So we, we're talking about a destination. Clearly define the destination. And then circling that and almost drawing lines off of that in the middle of the circle and begin to identify the people and places that are going to allow you the best opportunity to get there. That is such a simple exercise. And it'll get you out of your insecurity, your doubt, your fear. And you just get into this. I'm just kind of creating a little plan, a little map. That one thing of identifying some of the people and the places that would allow you the opportunity to get where you want to go. 
it will give you the confidence and the courage to reach out. What's funny is that's uh, that's one of the line items that my coach gave me for homework this week, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. As it pertains to a very specific thing, I'm, I'm, we're having conversations about the type of leader I want to become. And she just said, like, I could describe it in a sentence. And she said, great. Your homework next week is to come back to me with five names of people who are that person. I love your coach. She gets the proximity principle. That's how it works right there. Yeah. That's absolutely how it works. Yeah. So... Where can people learn more about you and the proximity principle? Yeah, uh, KenColeman.com is the website where you can buy the book. You can pre-order it right now. If you pre-order it right now at KenColeman.com, we're going to give you uh, $20 and extra goodies. You'll get the ebook for free and you'll get a talk from me on how to discover what it is you were created to do. Uh, you can also get it, of course, wherever books are sold. Uh, you can pre-order it right now. And it comes out May 13th. You can also learn more about the show at KenColeman.com as well and connect with me on social media. So that's a great place to go. And you got the Ken Coleman Show and Entre Leadership, correct? Yeah. So uh, the Ken Coleman Show is obviously what we're talking about now. I'm helping people with careers, purpose, calling, you know, getting clarity on what it is they were created to do. And then the Entre Leadership Program is a leadership-based program. And I'm interviewing some of the best minds out there like our dear friend Jay Papazan and, and other great writers and speakers on leadership. That's called Entree Leadership. You go to entreeleadership.com. Uh, both my show that's on SiriusXM and Entree Leadership are available in podcast form wherever you uh, like to listen to podcasts. Yeah, and, and uh, just to give an endorsement, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but that's one of them. So Thank you. I, well, you, I, that means a lot. It's the One Thing Podcast. I think you will enjoy what Ken has to bring to the table as well. Uh, Ken, thank you so much for the time. Folks, this will come out on the One Thing Podcast. If you're not yet subscribed, please subscribe there. Make sure you check out The Proximity Principle uh, at kencoleman.com. This next coming month, we have Rachel Hollis on The One Thing webinar, which you can learn more about if you go to theonething.com and click on webinar. And Ken, man, I just, I really appreciate the impact that you're making in this world. Thank you very much for all you are doing. I'm honored to be with you, Jeff. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Our conversation with Ken Coleman, author of the brand new book, The Proximity Principle. Folks, we hope that you found value in this. This is a subject that is near and dear to my heart. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And especially when it comes to having those relationships and having the type of career that you find deep fulfillment in. Relationships are the one thing. Out of everything we covered in this episode, what's that lead domino for you? The one thing that really stands out that if you just knocked that down consistently over time would lead you having the extraordinary relationships that you desire and the career that you really find fulfillment in. Would you take the time to pause this episode to search for that answer? And would you dare to take action on it? If this has brought value to you, please share this with somebody that you know needs to hear this. And if you are one of those people that somebody introduced you to the one thing for the first time, welcome. We have a new episode that comes out every single week. Make sure you click that subscribe button so all future episodes will automatically be downloaded to your device. And if you have not yet done this, please leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice. It helps us reach more people. And we really do read every single one. It means the world to us. And we thank you in advance for leaving your reviews. Thanks so much, folks. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.